Traveling the Vortex We've joined a doctor as he swaggers through the vortex and arrive at episode 564. And if you ask me, the jumblies are ripe for conquest. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. And indeed they are. How is everybody? Now, from our perspective, we just recorded our last episode a couple of days ago. A little peek behind the curtain here. Um, So none of us has really done much, but (laughs) what did you guys do in the last day and a half since we've talked? (laughs) (laughs) Well, Mel and I had a date night um last night and finished watching uh, the book club the second chapter and it's very cute and then uh we also got caught up at least for us got caught up with uh, ahsoka so we are up through episode six now so we just have the last two thank you thank you (laughs) and what do you think of it oh my god the show is so good <laughs> really is. like okay yeah it's 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 rebel season five yeah okay given <laughs> but it, it it features i don't man there's some of the best lightsaber fights that we've had put to film mm-hmm. yeah i mean these are you know incredible um and the i don't know how much i want to say without i mean these episodes have been out but you know well, you won't spoil us. We're two episodes, two episodes ahead of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, um... And Disney's probably already spoiled stuff for you. Yeah, anyways, probably. So. <laughs> they tend to do that. So I, I knew about the episode five or four cameo before I watched the episode because of a poster they released. I'm trying to think what that cameo was. at the very been. end. Oh, that one. Yes, leading into episode leading five. into episode mm-hmm. five. Well, and and that whole sequence was incredible wasn't that amazing um, well apparently it's so amazing that you guys heard that they're doing a spin-off show right no i hadn't heard what Mm -mm. yeah uh, uh, apparently i I feel like i need to speak in code but uh of that that, with that character that with that character um in that timeline oh in that time frame uh, i don't want to see that i don't think see now what was good about that is melding of the two worlds yeah exactly and here's my my thought about that is i absolutely love that sequence i love that they went there i love that they did that but it seems like studios get this greedy little oh let's do Boba Fett was so popular in this. Let's spin it off into another series. And then the series ends up not being very good and they have to bring Mando in to rescue it. It just, I don't want that. I don't, I just give us the little pieces and, and do do what you're doing. Don't, don't mess with what you got going. I can only report on what I heard. That, that uh, if you think this is Rebel season five, just wait for Clone Wars season eight. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> or, or or potentially three point five. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say you couldn't do an eight. No, six point five maybe. Yeah, no. The shows and then um, Mendelssohn as Thrawn is just I, he was pitch perfect in the in the show with the voice, but seeing him 
live. It's just kind of like, <laughs> yeah. And I loved, loved, loved the stealing of the Japanese idea of repairing things with gold, uh, you know, cracks in the armor and hole plating on the on the Star Destroyer. That's just such a Thrawn. I'm going to culturally appropriate this. Mm. <laughs> Wait, so did you watch six or not? Yes, we did watch six. Oh, okay. I thought you said only up to five. No, we watched five and four, five and six from the last oh, time. Okay. I, All right. Yeah, I was just just seven and eight now. So, oh, okay. you guys watch right. seven. I'm assuming. So you're only one episode behind. Yeah, you are only, yeah, one, behind. only one behind you. Well, you said seven and eight, and I was thinking that that was the last two, but eight is the last one that's. Well, yeah, because eight, I guess, technically hasn't yeah. come out yet, but we will right, watch right. on Tuesday, and it will release on Tuesday. So right. we're just going to finish off the show next week, so there we'll be talking with everybody again. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's just so good. <laughs> um. Although, although Hera, I'm a little concerned that she's surprised she's being recalled, uh, and and in some trouble because. You know, we're, we're we're six episodes in. There's only so many times you can say, "I'm a general." What are they going to do to me before they do something to you? <laughs> they can do something. Well, That's called a court martial. Yeah. yeah. Never you worry. That's all I'll <laughs> say. Never you worry. And some of those headlines were misleading headlines too. <laughs> About that sequence, especially Entertainment Weekly's headline. Oh, was Oof. it? I didn't. I missed it. That I... was mis. <laughs> I uh very misleading headline. The cameo by Owen Gliberman. The cameo was clever. <laughs> was real clever. Yes. Yes. Especially since you couldn't do it a different way. So that's all I'll say. I don't want to spoil it. Right. Because Sean hasn't seen it yet. I've not seen it yet. Well, and then I uh, got done watching oh sorry, go ahead. No, you're fine. Go ahead. Oh, I just I also I had to break this one up into chunks, uh, because it's so long, but I, I got done watching Babylon. Babylon? The, uh, yeah, the... Oh, the movie? The movie. Oh, with, oh, uh, that came out Brad like Pitt Margot two Robbie? years ago? Margot Robbie and... Or was it last eh, year? It, was, it might have been last year. It was last year. Yeah. It was nominated for an Academy Award last year, so I think, I think, I think it was last year. Yeah, you're right. Hmm. It, it is... Didn't uh, come anywhere near it. <laughs> there, there, are, there are parts of this movie, especially for us movie buffs, there are parts of this thing that it is absolutely incredibly amazeballs it's just like wow and, and what an homage and uh, you know to the whole era of, of silent filmmaking transitioning into the talkies and then there's probably about an hour of just outstanding top shelf filmmaking Unfortunately, that hour is couched in a three-hour and 20-minute epic. <laughs> and not all of it is very epic. It dives into the uh, the decadence of Hollywood. And the decadence of Hollywood is very Caligula. Uh, so <laughs> strong stomachs uh, would be needed for, for, for a good chunk of it. Mm. But parts of it are just incredible. That's it. I'll leave you alone now. No, it's all right. <laughs> you had more to do. 
Um, no, I was going to say the only other thing that, and I, Keith shares this too, is uh, episode two of Redacted came out here in the U.S., so I'm caught up on that now too. And Keith, you said you were too. Yep. Yep. I I, um, I actually like this week's better than even better than last week, and I thought they were off to a really good start last week. So. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. This is more of that world building mm-hmm. episode stuff, which was was always really well done. Yep, absolutely. Do we know well, when f- we're putting that on the schedule yet? Or uh, I think we're going to probably try to slip it in later this year. Um, we can talk okay. about that afterwards, though. Yeah. The other thing I did was I finished season one of Wellington Paranormal. You'll have to. It's another one I've heard really good things is. about. It is the spin-off series of the movie What We Do in the Shadows. Oh, okay. So it follows two Wellington cops assigned to a paranormal unit in Wellington, New Zealand. <laughs> and, you know, them investigating different paranormal goings-ons. There's mm-hmm. been there's always in the episodes a sequence that's absolutely side-splittingly hilarious. <laughs> Like in the first episode, they're looking into a um, a demon possession, and the demon jumps into a little like Yorkshire Terrier dog, and is chasing the cop around a playground, yelling things at him, and <laughs> he's jumping around trying to avoid this little small dog while it's spewing demonic phrases and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's very funny, but overall. Most of the episodes are, are pretty good. There's a werewolf episode that kind of dips in the middle. Mm. But the absolute best one is the vampire episode of the season. Mm. And it's got <laughs> in the middle of it, out of nowhere, for no reason, there's an entire sequence where they're tormented by clowns <laughs> and are trying to stop them from well, taking off in a clown car. <laughs> Sean's checked out now. He's not going to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it, it's done creepily because it's on like a street. Well, that's exactly why he's not going to watch it. <laughs> and I, I'm not a big fan of clowns either. But <laughs> just the lengths they went through on this, and just the constant stream of clowns coming in and out of this clown car, <laughs> and the different variations you see it, <laughs> and their reactions, and them trying to, you know, corral them, and and of course, in their New Zealand accents, you know, they sound like Taiko. YTT, and mm-hmm. it's hard to take them as serious when they're cops with that accent just yeah. because they sound so nice and friendly. Yeah. <laughs> so they're trying to be mean and severe and they just don't come across that way. It's, <laughs> it's really, it's good. I'm really enjoying it. I, I tend to notice that when, if I watch more than one episode at a time though, the second episode I watch, I don't tend to enjoy as much. I think I need to watch them spaced out a little bit. Mm. So it's connected to the movie and not the mm-hmm. FX series? I think the FX series somehow connects to the movie, but I've not seen enough of it. Oh, okay. But the vampire they deal with in the episode is a vampire from the movie. Okay. All right. So it's truly connected to yeah. the movie. And I th- and the cops show up in the movie, I think, at the end, if I remember correctly. Okay. The two police officers. So. The ones that are the subject of this yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got you. But it's totally done in a cop's banner. It's all filmed like it's an episode of cops. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah. The, and the, um, as I say, the series is the same characters, at least mostly, from the movie, but they've transplanted them. So it's kind of a 
pseudo sequel reboot. That's thing. that's yeah. the way I took the the series to be. So that's why I was asking if it was connected to the movie or if it was connected to the series because the, to me the the series was just a tele television version of the movie rather than like a sequel or or an addition to it. So yeah, that's the impression I got too from okay. watching it even. But this is much more of a, a sequel follow-up. Gotcha. And the first season's only like six episodes, so it's one of those, it was filmed for New Zealand and released in New Zealand, so it's not like it's a long, drawn-out season either. Right, right. Okay. They all say who is this is Tim Trelaw. This is David J. Howe. I'm Peter Purvis. I am C.G. Miller. This is Lauren Cornelius. Larry, it's Fraser. For all things in the Doctor Who collecting world and beyond, the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast. I'm Larry Van Mersbergen, your host, and I've been collecting for 42 years. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex on the Direction Point Podcast Network. You are invited on an adventure across all of time and space, in a completely random order. It's the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. Jump in the TARDIS with your hosts, Eric Goldbranson, Asad Cheshki, and Matthew Kressel. Explore Doctor Who TV stories, audio adventures, and books, both novels and non-fiction. The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. It's the entire Hooniverse. On Shuffle. The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast is a member of the Direction Point Network and is available about once a month wherever you find your podcasts. You are listening to Traveling the Vortex. Let's talk some news. Well, we got some sad news to start off with. Unfortunately, Sir Michael Gambon has passed away at the age of 82. Um... Whovian fans will know him as Kazran Sardek and Elliot Sardek from A Christmas Carol. Uh, he also went out on and did the six film stints as Albus Dumbledore in the Harry Potter series. Mm-hmm. He passed away um, after a bout of pneumonia. I can't think of, besides Harry Potter and Doctor Who, I honestly can't think of anything except for Gosford Park um, that he's in, though. I can't think of anything I've seen. But I think he mostly did a lot of <laughs> independent British films for most of his life. I think Harry Potter was probably his biggest mainstream film. And I'm sure he's been in yeah. other things I haven't seen, but I don't think he was... He wasn't as established in the U.S. as I think he was in the U.K., but... He was everything that I saw him in. He was phenomenal. Absolutely loved him as an actor. He was he a had, voice in, uh, well, and and actor in several of uh, Wes Anderson's films, including uh, Life Aquatic. And oh, well, that's the right. Fantastic Mr. Fox. That's right. I did. He was know in both that. Paddington movies. I didn't remember him in Paddington. I did remember. I do remember him now in. He was a. He was the voice of Uncle Pez. Pazuzzo? Uh, yes, Pazuzzo. 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 So it was Paddington's uncle, the bear. Okay. Yeah, I didn't. I so didn't. it was flash, short flashbacks. Yeah, I didn't, didn't realize that was who that was. Uh, Toys with Robin Williams, Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow. Oh, you know, Anybody he was in uh, that one? King's Speech, too. I do remember him in that. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's one of those actors that's really been around forever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think for American audiences, probably not until Harry Potter that it suddenly kind of cemented who this guy was. Yeah. Um, he was one of the village elders in Sleepy Hollow in the, the Tim Burton film. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, several others. Yeah, it didn't, didn't stand out to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you didn't know who he was at the time when you saw him, bro. That's true. Yeah, that's certainly true. So now if you went back and watched it, you'd probably spot him. Still very sad. Do we have some good news? We do have some good news. Uh, the BBC have announced that on BBC Three, following new episodes of the show, there will be a confidential style show called Doctor Who Unleashed. <gasps> Yay! I hope we get that here. Um, I don't know what the I deal. Hope so too. I don't know what the uh, details with the uh, Disney Plus contract is but that would be really nice to have that because it was really difficult for us to get confidential here and i really really liked confidential because i've always felt like it really kind of opened up and and gave you a lot of insight and interesting details about the behind the scenes things going on and what was coming up and i i hope that this takes those reins and kind of does the same thing with it, it sounds like it will Seems like it's something that Russell T. Davies is fairly passionate about since his version of the show originally had it, and now he brought something more in-depth back. Because yeah. it's unlike the behind-the-scenes bonuses that they posted to YouTube uh, in prior um, Seasons. eras. Yeah. This is going to be a full 30-minute special again, or specials again. Well, and it's one of those things that really, when you think about it, it just kind of makes sense because you're going to put together a little behind-the-scenes featurette for the bonus features of the disc anyway. Mm -hmm. So just spend a little more time and effort on it, and all of a sudden it's programming. and Exactly. (laughs) Then you you can air it, and you can charge more for the box sets when they come out because of look at the value. We're also giving you this whole other show. Precisely. Hi, I'm Rupert Booth. I am known as Paul Ferry. And my name is Barry Williams. Together, we host Time Ram. Time Ram's a cruel mistress. It's a random number generator. That also. We roll a number from 1 to 30, and that's our doctor. Then 1 to 300 for the story, and then we ram them together. Even if it doesn't make sense. Cruel, I tell you. Time Ram. Putting the wrong doctors in the wrong stories, so you don't have to. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex. Hello, fellow time travelers, and welcome to the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the only podcast to discuss, in story order, all the Doctor Who novelizations. My name is Tony Whit. And every two weeks or so, I'm joined by a two- to three-person discussion panel, including our so-called expert who's been a Who fan since 1979. That would be me. We also get the views of intermediate, casual, and novice fans who either have never seen the show or who have never read these books until these podcasts, including... Dalton Hughes. And... Alison Fitzsafried. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you find good podcasts or even ones like ours. 
You're listening to Traveling the Vortex, a Direction Point podcast. Let's talk a little bit about conventions. Uh, just a reminder, uh, Doctoberfest is coming up in uh, the near the end of October, um, October 21st. That's in Plainfield, Indiana, in the United States. And again, Sophie Aldred will be there. And uh, then, of course, uh, later on in uh, no uh, later on in the year, I suppose next month uh, we've got Saratoga Comic Con in Saratoga Street Street. Let me say it again: Saratoga Springs, New York. Um, Eric Roberts will be there. I hope he'll be dressed for the occasion. Uh, the Wales Comic Con is also in November that same weekend, the 18th and 19th. This one's a big one. It's got Alex Kingston. King, no, it's got Alex Kingston, Paul McGann. Colin Baker, Sylvester McCoy, Peter Davison, David Bradley, among others. And then, of course, oh, Chicago. Wow. I was, oh, wow. That's a lineup. Mm. And then uh, Chicago TARDIS in Chicago, Illinois. That's going to be Thanksgiving weekend, November 24th to the 26th. And uh, it has uh, Lisa Bowerman, Michael Troughton, who's playing the seventh, second doctor now, uh, Colin Baker, Carol Ann Ford, Peter Davison, Fraser Hines and Sylvester McCoy, among others. So that's what we've got coming up on the con schedule, and hopefully um, soon we can get to uh, Doctoberfest or Chicago Tardis, which are mostly within driving distance from us. About a day's worth of driving, but still. We are going on a journey. A very long journey through the world of the Target novelizations and publication order. Every week we are looking at a new book, talking about Terrace Dix, Malcolm Hulk, and all our Doctor Who novelization friends. Whatever you do, keep turning the pages. This is Jason Miller of the Doctor Who Literature Podcast, a member of the Direction Point Podcast Network, and you are listening to Traveling the Vortex, a direction point podcast all right well let's move on to reviews and um since we're doing them in uh, doctor order but we have the same actor <laughs> we'll definitely <laughs> oh, this do, gets tricky we'll definitely do the audio first <laughs> yeah the martian invasion of planetoid 50 my scanner indicates that you may have been the doctor at some point or that you may be in the future. That's because I'm stuck in a mid-degenerative state. Probably. From Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who, Once and Future, The Martian Invasion of Planetoid 50. I think I must be a future face. Mistress, the alarm has been triggered. Really? Has it really? No. I simply will not accept it. Something is very wrong. Now, listen, I have some questions. I want to see if your answers are any different to Jessamy's. Where are we and when are we? London Earth, Victorian era. But I always wanted a pet lizard. Oh, look, you've not touched your food. <laughs> Sorry, have we met? I've a head like Swiss cheese. Oh, well, look at you. I was hoping for one of the classics. Time itself, along with our memories, appears out of joint. It's them! Doctor, Doctor, it's the Martians! That thing's using its heat ray. Everyone out before it burns this place to the ground! Come on! Yeah. They're coming! 
Lots of them. Because only one time Lord would ever do something so mind-bogglingly, time-consumingly ridiculous. Oh, you say such pretty things. Big finish for the love of stories. You have been naive. <laughs> the first doctor arrives in Victorian London amid a Martian invasion, but he discovers not all is what it seems when Missy appears. Soon the doctor is propelled into a future incarnation, the Tenth, but he is not alone in battling Missy and her Martian invaders. The Paternoster gang, Madame Vastra, Ginny Flint, and Strax are also here to assist. But can they offer the Doctor any help in solving his own degeneration mystery? Sean, wait. Sean, wait. Wait. Ah, <laughs> oh, I was going to have, I was going to let you, I was going to have me take my headphones off first, but. Uh, <laughs> what? I couldn't hear that. What? <laughs> I'm sorry. Are you guys talking now? I can't hear you. That's Take your the, uh, off, Glenn. Is that the uh, replacement for the dun-dun-dun? Uh, <laughs> no, I'm totally going to get a dun-dun-dun, but... <laughs> That's for now. That's for now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I 100% concur with you on that. <laughs> as soon as I realized that it was going to be a War of the Worlds thing, I knew Sean was just going to be <laughs> over the moon. Let's let Sean start this week. Okay, so um, first of all, how awesome to have a legit first Doctor story. Yeah, right. As opposed to just a brief cameo and then out the door with him to to introduce whoever's on there. Um, so that was very surprising and, and pleasant and almost a little disappointing when he, he degenerated into a future version of the doctor and it's David Tennant's 10th because it was like, Oh, I was having such a good time with grumpy. <laughs> <laughs> then there's the war of the worlds element. It's like, you know, as, as soon as they said, Oh, you know, dead London and red weed. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> bring it on. I am so ready. Uh, but it was extremely clever with finding a way to parallel the events and be in the events without actually being the events mm -hmm. yeah. uh, of the book. And, and so that was absolutely uh, incredible. I love the fact that we are given a journalist who kind of serves as a narrator. Kind of. Almost She's yeah, narrating almost it as we're, as we're walking. In fact, they, they sort of they break, the fourth, chastise her they about break it. the fourth wall because the doctor gets after her for being too loud. <laughs> Quit blogging. <laughs> but, but you know, it'd be, she would be the narrator of the book. Right, Which right. was not happening. But, you know. Yep. No, absolutely. So well done there. Yeah. And then um, Missy getting a, a, oh, an incarnation of... Man. The, the master who is not the 10th doctor's master. And then the chemistry between Michelle Gomez and David Tennant oh. is off the charts. Yes. I would love to have them together again in another story because that yeah. interaction is so wonderful. And, and limited patience for her. <laughs> <laughs> 
Which, if any, it's 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 interesting because of all of the doctors, at least the the, the new series doctors, other than Capaldi, you would think Tennant, who reached out time and again to try and salvage this relationship, would be more patient, <laughs> right? And wow sick of her crap <laughs> so i think we have to put this in perspective of this is a future incarnation of the doctor so we're still presuming that this is probably the eighth doctor that this has initially happened to and so mm-hmm. i think that actually explains why he's very okay i'm i'm tired of this because the the events of the time That's, war haven't even yeah. happened for him yet this this yeah, they're, they're 10th doctor happening. doesn't know anything about that what's coming and so I think it works really well that he is kind of like, okay, put off already. I, you know, oh, I'm kind of tired of this, but I also love the flirting aspect between mm-hmm. uh, uh, Missy and him. I think that that is just so perfect for this, especially when she plants one on him. <laughs> Vaster walks in and says, get a planet. <laughs> that was so good. So, you know, like you don't have my attention already from elements A, B, and C. Hey, how about we throw the Paternoster gang in here for good measure? <laughs> okay. I didn't realize how much I had missed them. Mm-hmm. Same. Yeah. We need to get that series on the schedule soon. Yeah. As, as always, um, I, I tend to jump into homework by just jumping into homework and 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 not prepping not looking at not pictures not not looking at album or not album covers uh disc covers or yeah i had no idea who was in this until they showed up in this Mm -hmm. and it's like uh, it's weird because unlike a uh you know a doctor who episode with a with a doctor that's come and gone I'm, I, I pour over it and I've got the case in my hands and I'm staring at the beautiful artwork and I'm so, I'm so, I'm hyping myself up for it. But with the big finish audios, I tend to just, you know, because we get so many of them digitally, I just put the file in so I can listen to it in the car. And then later I go back and find it and I am no end of surprised every single time. It's like, oh, the Cybermen are in this. Okay. Oh, so-and-so's in this one. All right. And this one was just one after another after another with these surprises. It was like, oh, oh, oh! Um, so, yeah. Sean, Sean was very happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, even for, like, me, you know, I buy the where we listen to the limited edition extended bonus feature one that has the diamonds on the front and only two faces on it so mm-hmm. i didn't realize the paternoster game was in it mm-hmm. until they showed up i knew it was david Tennant and missy but that's it and strax <laughs> continues to be <laughs> a gem <laughs> a real gem <laughs> a real gem just the the funniest dry you know <laughs> well-meaning slightly befuddled um yeah the paternoster gang makes everything better yeah they, no. they just i, 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 I also love... i like the fact that they split them up too because yeah. it gave yeah. each one of them uh, some well it gave strax and and jenny and vastra a kind of a uh 
some room to breathe, to kind of do their own things for a little while before kind of bringing everybody together for the big climax. Um, mm-hmm. So I really like that. And Strax uh, interacting with the doctor before uh, Vastra shows up. And then Vastra's very, uh, when she gets back to, to Jenny and Jenny asks, you know, uh, what about Strax? Strax is okay. He's he's fine. And just knowing that Strax is is okay and can take care of himself, I like that um, mm-hmm. confidence in his ability from from Vastra. Even though he is sometimes a bumbling idiot, he is still very capable in many situations. Especially since he decided that after the world was being taken over by the tripods and the Martians, that he was going to repopulate the world somehow <laughs> underground. Yeah. I don't, I don't know where he was, how he was going to do that, but he, is, he sure had determination to do that if necessary. Well, and he is, my plan is on hold. <laughs> <laughs> we, I, we sometimes forget that, you know, while he's a Santar and he's still a capable warrior, he's just bumbling at everything else. Yes, Absolutely. And this is, does a great balance of having him be a capable warrior and yet still be bumbling at yeah. the same time. Agreed. And his his relationship and chemistry with Jessamy was another highlight for me. Um, just the two of them together as they traverse the, the landscape was just an absolute joy to listen to. Right. Especially when he gets separate, when they get separated from the doctor, when, uh, yeah, he's, they're going to try to escape and the tree line. Oh, brave choice. Those are on fire. (laughs) No, the the other trees, the ones that aren't on fire. (laughs) And their conversation about the the palace of, you know, I'll never trust a building with too many corners. (laughs) He says the Santarn ships are round and are spherical and round. And she says, when they roll away, it happens sometimes. <laughs> Rarely happens. Rarely happens. That's what he said. Yeah. Rarely happens. I, I, I love the fact that there's that acknowledgement. Rarely. <laughs> it, does, it has happened from time to time, apparently. <laughs> it's a word that speaks volumes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just full of that kind of um, awesomeness from top to bottom. Um, I I laughed so much, just giggle-inducing through other parts of it, heartbreaking, listening to Jenny be Mm. dead flat hypnotized and know that it's Missy behind it and then to reveal that oh yes, Vastra's here and if you don't do what I say, I will oh, that was almost hard to listen to. Well, and I also love that Missy tries to sort of play Jenny off of Vastra you know, asking her, what do you think of, of my pet or whatever and mm-hmm. Caitlin, or Caitlin <laughs> Caitlin uh, <laughs> Jenny actually um you know, describing her, but then saying she's beautiful. So you, she's still, despite the fact that she's under this mind control, she still has this admiration and love for Vastra, which I thought came through and was really, really nice. Beautiful prisoner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so much to, uh, so much like there. And I, I don't know about you guys, I definitely got the, the feeling that this was meant to be a little bit later in Missy's line. No, well, there's a conversation. It's 
obviously earlier. It's much earlier. In fact, this is before she's she's going through the same thing he is. Yeah, she has been flung forward in her regenerations as well because she's getting used to this. She talks about getting used to this body. Um, She also talks about something else that, that hinted that she had come forward from a previous life, but I can't remember exactly what she said. But yeah, it is heavily implied that she... she straight up talks about flitting through incarnations. Yes, right. that's right. Flitting yes. through bodies. Yes. like, And yeah. Well, I guess what I meant to say is that, okay, so not necessarily within the master's timeline overall, because yes, she is a, a previous incarnation. Well, to the point where I think it's a very clever, if you wanted to, you maybe could point to this as, for the people who seem to think that John Sims is not the master preceding Missy, but maybe at a later incarnation and that she came earlier, you could point to this as exhibit a and go, well, because we don't know exactly where that time frame falls into. Yeah. Didn't that, didn't that final bill story put that to rest though? Um, didn't didn't yeah, that solidify when it was the right. multi-master I think, episode? I, think, I that, thought that was the one that... I think based uh, on their conversation, uh, it was implied that she was after Sims. In, with her conversation with I, see, I always thought so, too. But I thought that was one of the ones that actually threw more dirt into the water with mm-hmm. it. And Maybe. I don't... I don't I'm not it's sure. been a while since I've watched it. it so. um, but, yeah, no, not only that, but I just mean from the standpoint that this... That, that Missy, it's not just that it's a future version of the master wherever he's at in his timeline. And if if we are presuming that the eighth doctor is the overriding quote unquote current doctor during these events, we which is looking more and more Jacobi's, likely. Yeah. Jacoby's Yeah, it would make sense that Jacoby is his yeah. is the current master. Or master yes. But then this particular time frame for Missy felt almost like it was if you could slot this part of her story into the Missy who's trying to kind of be reformed by the 12th. Doctor. I think I could, I could, because I could she didn't kill anybody. Pers- it definitely pulls in those personality aspects. Yeah. But I, right. I think I could buy that explanation. If the doctor wasn't very unstable and flitting through all of these incarnations so quickly, I have to assume that because she's been inflicted by the same thing, that she also is unstable and wouldn't be stable in this incarnation long enough to have all of the adventures she has from the 12th Doctor era. And she does mention that she vaporized a few people. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, There were, there were more people around than he, she vaporized. Right, them. right. I mean, did she do it or did the Martians do it? Well, she said she did. <laughs> I mean, she's responsible for the Martians too. So I guess in a way, even if the Martians did it, she did it. But no, she specifically says it in a way that she did it herself personally. Um, So here's, you guys may have to help me with this. I listened to this twice. I loved it so much that I went back and listened to it again almost right away. But for one reason, because I couldn't pick up on... This planet, Missy is bored, so she has decided 
to create these Martians and this faux London and all of the trappings because she happened to read H.G. Wells, liked the book, but didn't read or didn't like the ending. And so she's mm-hmm. created this just basically as a time kill for her. And and she hoped it would focus her so she would stop playing through generation. Right. Generations. So she yeah. is... She's created this London. She's created this place. She's created these Martians. She's created this tripod. Where did the people come from or go? And why are the Paternoster gang here? I, uh, I because thought they had this said is, some sort of line about her kidnapping people from this time period of London. Okay. I missed that, but I'm going to trust that probably is right because I assumed that must have been the case. But obviously, and that might she have didn't, been a headcanon too. Obviously, she didn't kidnap enough place to populate all of London. But I think that right. that makes sense. Then that would make sense why um, um, Genestri is there too. Mm-hmm. Uh, just Jessimi, Jessimi is there Jessimi. too. Jessimi, yeah, is there yeah. too. Um, so yeah, okay. Then if that's the what you think, that's what I think. Even if it's headcanon, that's what I think too. <laughs> but I didn't get it okay. from either listening, <laughs> either time through listening. I never felt like they explained why, why they were there. So I want to say the doctors accused her of kidnapping all of these people, and she never confirms or denies anything. Uh, so I, okay, if the doctor said that she did that, I just assume she did also. <laughs> I sort of wondered if this got maybe left out because apparently this story wasn't even supposed to be the 10th doctor and it was originally written different and they had to bring, um, who was the script editor on this? Um, well, see the writer was Jonathan Barnes and they brought the script editor editor in. Um, well, it's not listed. He's not listed here, but anyway, they had to bring him in Matt, Matt Fitton. They had to bring Matt Fitton in to kind of get the help, get the voice of these characters because um, while the story is Jonathan's, the, from the, the behind the scenes that they, they talked to in interviews, the story is Jonathan's, but they um, kind of the writing of the characters can't kind of came from Matt Fitton. So uh, anyway, so yeah, maybe that got, maybe that got maybe lost in the, in the uh, transference of changing this story up a little bit. Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't, ruin the story in any way whatsoever it just made me think both times why are they there <laughs> if this is a completely different planet i'll go so far as to say that i think this is a nearly perfect story mm, yeah um i do have I the one only... complaint on it what's your complaint it is stephen noonan's first doctor I think he sounds way too much like Anthony Ainley's master. Really? Yeah, I don't think he sounds anything like the first doctor. Oh, so he... There are times where I hear the first doctor, but most of the time, I don't. To me, he's very Hmm. much like, to me, Tim Trelore, who I think does a good third doctor, but when I start listening to it, I hear Tim Trelore. That's who does it? Yeah, Tim Trelore. Mm-hmm. And then, but as I get into the story, I get lost in the fact, and I, I completely buy into the fact that it's the third doctor. And I kind of felt that Noonan was the same way when he started. It almost took me a while to figure out who to identify who it even was. 
And then as he get as it goes on, and once I'd known it was the first doctor, then it, I just fell into it and felt like that was Hartnell. And so for me, I thought as I got into it, it got much better. Again, like Trelawry, is just not quite dead on. He's no, um, uh, what's the guy that does the Brigadier who, who does that just spot Oh, on. yeah, yeah. Um, but See, I, I think I find Tim Trelawry's third doctor his the first couple go arounds it wasn't quite on but like in the annihilators i only ever heard john pertwee yeah yeah and in this i I think it's the smoothness of his voice is old it's too smooth Hmm. and he almost plays it a little too smooth for who the first doctor is it it uh, it feels like it's maybe i'm just also so used to wanting to hear david bradley do His version of the first doctor. Yeah. See, but I've never felt that I've, I've, I would. I felt that Bradley. His, his was also a characterization. Yeah. Of the first Bradley doctor. has it was never spot on either. Bradley kind of has the cadence, but he just doesn't have the tone that I think Hartnell had. And so he, it, it's well enough to buy it when you see him portray the first doctor. But whenever I would hear him on audio, I always felt like it just wasn't quite there for me. I was still picturing him instead of. Hartnell, so I kept thinking this was the Ainley's master, <laughs> especially when he first shows up. I was like, "Oh, so this is." I didn't. I didn't think he sounded like Ainley at all. <laughs> really? Yeah. Huh. No, not at all. No, uh, I'm. I'm. I'm with Glenn on this one. I. I thought immediately it was the first Doctor and just rolled with it. And it's like, well, I don't think it's David Bradley, but it's good. Okay, and. You know, it's off and running. No, I think for me the uh, the mistake for this is returning Jessamy to the same time frame as the Paternoster gang and allowing her to walk into the sunset. Because she even says, Oh, I'd love to chronicle your adventures. And then they don't go anywhere. It's like this. This, this was part of. This, she needs to be part of the new box set. Yeah, she, next, she, she, next gang. Yeah. Yeah. So she, I, she should be. Part, she should be. You know the reason that you know she could be the narrator of these stories. And what I are you doing, s- letting her go away? I sort of felt like. Well, th- I think that there's a reason for that, though. They have to let her go away because she has to be. She can't be with this doctor. She can't travel with this doctor. This doctor has another crisis that's happening right now. So you can't throw no, he's her not saying he should, He's not saying she, she should travel with the doctor. She's saying, he's saying they should, she should stick with the pattern. Well, game. that's, the that's, yeah, but so, so that's, well, I'm getting, I'm getting there guys. Okay. okay. So my right. point is, is that she's there with the pattern Oscar game, right? She's left in that same time frame. He didn't take her to the future. He yeah, left no. her, he left her in the same time zone. I guess yeah, there is nothing to say. She so didn't that's come that's back. my point is I think the reason why she gives her book to the doctor is that's a piece of her, and then she goes off so that yes, I think they can tuck her away and bring her back at any time. They can they can encounter her at any time. I don't. I think what I liked about this is they didn't do anything finite, so they didn't rope themselves into making her part of the Paternoster game, but they talked her they tucked her away so that she can be later. They can bring her back in. And so I think it was cleverly done that way, leaving it very loose and open-ended like that. 
No, I want her to move into because the house. Because if she had, well, that's just it, though. <laughs> if she had, they would have been locked into that, and they may have other stories in the pipeline or even recorded ahead of that. And so they, this was a neat way to put her aside until they could f- funnel her back into that, you know, group if, when they needed to or at the time they could. So I think it was oh, well done. Oh, yeah, because, you know, recording things out of order and releasing them not at the same time has never been a problem for Big Finish. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, <laughs> let, let, let's give you a taste of the second Doctor Adventures box set from 6B that we haven't done anything with yet in a third Doctor Adventures story, even well, though it's going to be set way later in the that you, sure, if, guys. If you, it won't come out for years. If you listen, yeah, if you listen to um, uh, Nicholas Briggs' interview, he, he was just chomping at the bit to get him in there because he knew it was going to be a few years out before he got the box set out there so the hey, i have an idea let's let's record a whole series of uh, uh 60th anniversary at audios during lockdown <laughs> <laughs> and oh hey we got david warner before he died and you know oh i'm what? glad they got david warner before he. <laughs> oh died. i am yeah. too <laughs> which i don't know have we discussed this i i know this is a side note he's married to uh or was uh, married to? Uh, um, they were uh, not married. They were not married. They were part. They were partner. Pardon me. Yeah, Lisa Bowerman. Yeah, Bowerman. Yeah, yeah. They've been a thing for, I think, a few years. They they met through Big Finish. They met on on uh, one of the recordings they did together. That's where they met. I did. Did had we talked about that? I felt yeah, like I, brought I just that up. found that out. I brought but... no. I brought that up on the show when uh, he passed away. Hmm. I was too bereft to listen to you, apparently, <laughs> at that point. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, no, Big Finish doing something out of order? Unheard of. <laughs> well, and, you know, to be fair, I mean, Big Finish did a lot of that in the early days, but now that's the reason why we don't have the main range anymore, because they want to do things a, a little more oh, timeline-specific. Yeah, <laughs> so. Um, I think the... Um, oh, I lost my other thing that I was going to say about it. It may come back to me. There was even a great bit of dialogue about, uh, I think it was even from the doctor where he, he told her, he says, well, you're not being interviewed. And yeah. I went, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which I thought you wouldn't was, even get an interview. Yeah. Which I thought was funny because we, uh, that's, that's like our term for, when he's I know when he's interview when he's <laughs> auditioning, auditioning companions Canada, we, yeah. we 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 have said it's an interview phase so that's funny yeah, yeah. so much oh, win I do remember what the other one was so I think I got from the context of it that the tenth doctor in the the future version of the tenth doctor the one that's gonna happen is the first time that Jenny and Vastra encounter, at least Jenny does, encounters the 10th Doctor. Because she recognizes him. And I don't, I didn't get it from, she recognized him because the 11th Doctor had mentioned or showed what he looked like. I think he literally must encounter for the first time, Vastra at least, and maybe even Jenny, um, before their wedding, and then that's why Caitlin says, well, yeah, you came to our wedding because he, she recognized him without having anybody even have to say that he's who he is. So, yeah, I was a little torn on that. I couldn't quite tell if it was she identified him or she just 
can tell it's the doctor when it's the doctor, no, no matter who it is. No, she's human. Come on. I know, but that's she's not smart. A, that's yeah, but that's not a thing that that's not a thing that's been established. So I there's think, also context I think, clues. I think <laughs> I think the I think the context clue here for us was she encountered him in the tenth interview. Now I think we know that Strax has not encountered this one because he doesn't recognize him, and he describes him yeah. as the little little fellow in a bow tie. So, which he also implies that uh, he's met the thirteenth Doctor. Yeah, uh, or cheer- the fifth. <laughs> the cherry girl. Cherry girl. No, he says cherry girl with the yellow hair, but girl could <laughs> imply because they with, with Strax. Yeah, no. <laughs> him, he him, calls just me boy the whole time. Exactly. Well, he calls almost all girls boy. <laughs> yeah. So you don't know if that's supposed to be fifth Doctor, or right? Thirteenth right. Doctor. Well, I wouldn't call sixth Doctor cheery. He's the well, it, it, it didn't help that uh, my brain immediately cast back to that audio that we listened to with the Fifth Doctor and the Sontarans that Dan Starkey was, was in. Dan Starkey. <laughs> but it wasn't Strax, and I was right, like, how would right. he know that? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I totally fell down that rabbit hole going, uh... <laughs> So, I can't find it, I, and I... It's not important, but my right, my comment about where Missy may be at in her timeline specifically hinged on when she said, oh, I, I just read it, uh, meaning the time machine. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that the book that she was reading mm-hmm. while, quote unquote, in prison under house arrest with the 12th Doctor? Yeah, you're absolutely right. She was reading that. But for this, she read War of the Worlds. <laughs> Or yeah, well, that's what I meant. No, uh, she's HQ reading else, the time yeah. machine in. She is reading the time yeah. machine in that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, never mind. According to Tardis Wiki, there's a reference to, and her reading it. Like their continuity section says, Missy notes that she's only gotten two or the worlds, and then in parentheses says frontier and space. So he must have mentioned. Oh yeah, he was reading, reading that, that on the ship when uh, when Joe and the Doctor were trying to escape the oh, prison below deck. Right, he was on right. the on the yep. command deck reading it. You're right. You're absolutely right. In Frontier, yeah, you're right. Yep. So he never finished it. Then he came back to it later. Well, well clearly, yeah, the clearly he didn't. <laughs> In fact, I think well, that it, truly I think that implies. I think that implies that he that he hadn't even finished it, but he got interrupted well, he at that point, yeah. but never yeah. yeah never came back to it. So she's remembering what she read as that incarnation, but never got to the end. So it makes even more sense. Actually, she did say. She did read the ending because she, she didn't like it. That's right. Well, she said she got distracted and went and listened to the audio. Yeah, that's right. Movie and oh, the I was going to I was going to ask musical. you, Keith, is there or not, Keith? Sean, is there a puppet version? Um, I am not aware of one, but <laughs> so I will be looking. I just wonder if that was a throwaway <laughs> joke because the tenth doctor says every it. other version of it. He says yeah. it when he's explaining to, um. I think it's Strax and uh, what's her name, Jessamy? And yeah. he's explaining it to, I think even Vastra about the uh, the book and whatever and, and talking about, yeah, it was a a story written by H.B. Wells. But then 
later when he's recounting that sort of kind of same conversation with Missy, he brings it up again. Wasn't there a puppets? Almost trying to get her to confirm it, but she doesn't really. It's good stuff. Very good stuff. Yeah. Well, let's move forward in the timeline and uh, we'll look at another. I guess, you know, I I keep wanting to equate David Tennant with this, and I suppose it's just because it's his face, but he's not actually performing the 14th Doctor in this. But <laughs> uh, we're going to uh, continue with Liberation of the Daleks, parts 9 through 12. And uh, as we left off, I don't remember where we left off. I know we were in the sort of, what do they call it, the... It, I want to call it the Matrix, but it's not the Matrix. It's, um, oh, they have a name for it. <sighs> oh, the Dalek. Dalek. Yeah, well, they're in, they're in yeah. like a simulated world, I guess, is what it is. The Daleks are the creation of the uh, one Dalek that's, you know, being captive and, and coming up with all this stuff. And the, the one Dalek Supreme ends up, you know, dissipating, basically, because he can't hold together in the real world. But I think what's really, really cool about these for me anyway, is that (laughs) the first page of the first two parts is virtually identical to TV 21st century prints of the Daleks that were running back in the 1960s and all the way down to the side panel or the bottom panel that's turned sideways and has the part because that was very much a thing that they did. Mm-hmm. And I'm mm-hmm. glad that they only did it by the first page of each one though, because in back in the day, each part was usually only one or two pages. And then the next part was, you know, would come later. So you only got it in pieces and you got it in parts like that. It was very much denoted like that. I thought that was really cool. And the uh, illustrations even harken back to that style. Um, I think they're a little more polished in, in this than, than they were back in the day, but it's still, it gets the point across very much so. Yeah, there's a lot of um, Dalek fan service throughout this entire six six <laughs> sigma. Line. That was the the Dalek that's in the uh, tank that's they're using his dreams. Yeah, well that that the <laughs> into that when the Doctor actually goes into this um, simulation and I think he's he I guess he goes forward to find out what had happened after he presumably thinks it's been cleaned up but he wants to go forward to tell you so he could say i told you so and he realizes that they didn't shut down the operation because he's advising Mm -hmm. them to shut it all down that it's dangerous and whatever and then he goes forward in time and then that's when he ends up inside the simulation and he meets the uh the uh stocky um (laughs) golden version of the emperor doctor which i just went (laughs) 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 Uh, i I like how they have nick briggs show up too mm -hmm, yeah voicing voicing the uh automated ones that are in the on the station i love that too and then they kill him (laughs) exterminate him (laughs) yeah that was very very clever to give a Briggs cameo like that. That was that was pretty cool. 
Yeah, as as I read this, I you know, as excited as Glenn knew I was going to be about the audio, that's how excited I knew Glenn was going to be about the comic. Uh, yeah, I absolutely love this. I mean, right down to the and it it just gets corny as it goes, but it works so well with the content that they're using at this point. Because before, I think they were take they were they weren't they were taking it sort of in a, a tongue in cheek direction but it was more the fact that it was because he's landed on this station that's this amusement park that they're utilizing these this imagery in order to sell dalek adventures to people which i thought was very clever i mean it's a a clever story but then it just kind of as the imagined daleks learn how to materialize in the real world it's like it kind of got kind of to me i felt like it was getting a little goofy but the goofiness sort of works into the to its favor because then when it gets to the point where we're actually seeing inside a simulation which is in the style of the old daleks comics suddenly it starts to work really well because it almost gives a it almost retcons those comics as something that happened within this matrix you know within this simulation so i thought that was kind of cool as they were going along with that as well not to mention i really thought this thing was wrapping up um (laughs) i think that's my issue with it is it feels like they're just padding out and dragging out the story and they may be i i'm not sure where they can go with it because they do the whole thing about killing was it georgie or georgia there's they've the Georgie's the, is the simulation one, right? And Georgia's right, the real and that's one. The one okay. they yeah. And so then uh the the Daleks are going to use, I suppose they're sending signals out to the, the, the station in order to take control of the Daleks that are the real Daleks that exist on that station, which is was their part of their ploy. And then it just kind of gets all, you're right. It, it feels like it's there's a little bit of padding here and it gets quite wonky as they go. But when they flit away from there and then they end it with him standing in front of the <laughs> Uber, uh, the other Emperor, yeah, Dalek. Emperor Dalek from the uh, evil of the Daleks. Man, I again, I went <laughs> so I just, I'm really, really enjoying this now. Mostly because they're just having fun with it. They're just going, you know, what, what, how can, how bonkers can we get with this? And I'm really enjoying it because the casing that it's in, the construct that they've created for it, makes it work as a story. Well, and there's a, an added level to it that this is a story that only would work in the comic medium. Mm hmm. You couldn't do this particular adventure as a, a big finish audio or a television episode because of the little touches that they're pulling in, mm-hmm. specifically referencing other comics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it, it has that kind of uh, quaint nostalgia to it while being very meta uh, w- w- within the confines of its storytelling. I'm with Keith. I, I feel like maybe it's drawn out just a little too much. Like I, I, I kind of expected when um, 
what was her name? Magritte was the Georgie. Georgie. When she is shown by the doctor, look, you can't trust them. Look what they're mm-hmm. going to do. Right. And then reverses it and uh, kind of take Russell's control back uh, <laughs> from the hypnodolic. From the hypnodolic. <laughs> um, I kind of thought, okay, that's it. That's going to mm-hmm. be the key to the the end of the run for this, and we're going to start wrapping up because of what she did. Mm-hmm. But then the Daleks kind of swat that aside, like, eh. <laughs> we're, we're not concerned about your petty thing that you right. so what we've already got control of this i was like oh okay so now what are you going to do so now you have to construct a new end game to to get to the the out but oh no we've got another surprise here's super big dalek and it's like oh cool well, I, but I, where are you going with but it? i, I think you know cool. you're right yeah. and it's this feels the most cliffhangery like okay where are you possibly going with this I do think it works that the that Georgette, the uh, the real version on the outside world, she takes the two um, ape women. I can't remember their names, and they somehow <laughs> are able to get into the uh, um, into the simulation. And so, mm-hmm. in order to quote unquote rescue the doctor, although the doctor ends up having to rescue them by <laughs> putting everybody behind the TARDIS because the the TARDIS is, you know indestructible uh it's going to fire back right well it's going to fire back at at them and and do do the destroying but um worst rescue ever but then just them you know zapping out of there with the glove that was kind of oh that's how they got in they used that to get in and then zapping out of there the glove i thought okay well wait a minute now it feels like we're that's where to me i felt like they were drawing it out and i thought okay where, where can you possibly go with this but then i completely shut up when they when I saw the last page, so I went more, please. Don't care. Don't All care. is forgiven. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I felt the same way. I felt like they were, they, it was coming to a conclusion and I really felt like, oh, okay, we're kind of pushing things here with, you know, another six panels, eight panels. Oh, okay. That's fine. <laughs> okay. Keep pushing. Keep pushing. I really think that they'll probably wrap things up before the specials. I think the the magazine's intention probably is to move forward with uh, the fifteenth Doctor in the comics because that they've that's what they've done. They they have a track record for um, always having the the most current Doctor in. In fact, I think if I remember right, this is the first time in like. 20 years that they've had a doctor in the a version of the doctor in the comics prior to their season or or bulk of their performance uh on television so and the, the other time i can't remember what it was but there was an, uh, apparently another one back in the 80s or 90s where that happened mccoy maybe i don't remember i i say bring it on bring it on <laughs> let's i'll take two more issues thank you I'll take two more so long as it's only two more. I think <laughs> yeah. If it keeps well, going why. more than that, I'm going to be a little frustrated. That's why I say two, because I really feel like they'll wrap up before the, the 15th. I mean, they've only got, well, technically, yeah, two more issues I believe will drop before, if if the specials start on the anniversary, then I suspect that they'll have two issues 
two more uh, magazine issues before that. So anything else on Revelation? No, Liberation. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what do we got come up on the schedule, Sean? Coming up on the schedule, we will be tackling, for part of our 60th anniversary tie-in, the book Timeless Adventures, the unofficial story of how Doctor Who conquered television, by Brian J. Robb and Polaris Publishing, which looks to be a very interesting story. And then uh, some more of Doomsday for the 60th anniversary. We'll finish off that uh, that story with uh, the Big Finish audio, Doomsday Dying Hours. It'll be hours 22 through 23. And then uh, whatever uh, Doctor Who digital channels, social media... For uh, Doomsday Hour 24. We'll see if uh, James Goss puts the kibosh on her or not. <laughs> then we return to Once in Future. And then we have some uh, some 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 fun things on the horizon. So all right. You can find us at the uh, website travelingvortex.com. If you get any value out of the podcast, why not consider putting some value back into it? You can do that by clicking on the Patreon link. And support us there. And when you become a patron of this podcast, you unlock more audios and specials by us, including that story that we teased last episode um, of uh, Sean's adventures in Wonderland. And uh, if you can just give us $1 a month, $1 a month is all would help us tremendously. We'd love for you to give more $5, $10, but whatever you can give certainly helps out this show helps keep us going. Um, we right now we're, guaranteed for another year but after that we probably will have to close up shop if prices keep going up because server space is <laughs> very pricey nowadays um and then of course make sure you join in uh, on the conversations on our listeners forum facebook you can find us on tiktok and you can also find us on x and instagram although we don't post as much on instagram as we should but i i think instagram's you know mostly for when we go to conventions Anything else we need to touch on before we close this show? If not, until next time, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening. (laughs) You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied. Direction point! Direction point! A Doctor Who Podcast Network.